Is there a desire in you to not just attend revival, but live in revival? Welcome to the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Saldivar. I've been in revival for the last 10 years, as well as traveling and being a part of many revivals throughout the United States. I'm going to be sharing with you how to live a radical lifestyle of revival on a daily basis. Bishop Wellington Boone. Bishop, how are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm doing just great. Thank you, Isaiah. Bishop. I love all the excitement. It's not just excitement. It's the reality of God. I'm so excited tonight, Bishop. I first saw you 10 years ago, or maybe longer than that now, when you were at Rick Joyner's. Um, and just to plainly lay it out, even having just been born again a short time, it still was a heart of dedication for God, and it captured people. And it wasn't like people were just seeing some young person just uh, preaching, because it was more than preaching. It was the reality of God coming out of you, a vessel that he had captured. And the response that you gave God has taken us all the way up to now. And so I just want to bless the Lord for you and for, you know, you stand in there and keep going for it. Bishop, thank you so much. It means a lot. You know, you've been so instrumental in our lives. You've helped guide us. You've helped direct us. You've covered us. There's been times where pastors have come against us. You said, give them my number. I'll talk to them. I'll deal with them. And uh, we really do appreciate you. We love you, Bishop. We honor you. I'm excited for what God is doing. I know you're launching into social media. You're going for it very, very soon here. You'll be live streaming, which we'll bring you back on and share about that. But man, your revelation on eternity. I've told you this before, Bishop. Nobody is preaching what God has been giving you, the revelation God has given you. No one's really talking about eternity. And this is one of those things I want to just tell everyone in the chat. We have over 2,000 watching at this point. Is very few Christians, Bishop, consider the afterlife. We very rarely in our everyday life consider eternity. And what blows my mind is we will plan weeks our vacation. We'll plan to go to Disneyland. We'll plan what car we're going to buy. We'll plan our retirement. We'll spend our whole life planning, planning, planning. But few of us spend time planning for eternity. Like I always say this, what is our 150 year plan? What is our plan for the afterlife? Because we're going to live forever somewhere. And Bishop, God has given you such a word on eternity. It's such a right now word. People need to hear this. This changes, guys, the way you live. When you realize that I'm not living for this temporary realm, I'm living in an eternal perspective. I'm living for the afterlife. There is a life after the short life. Everything changes. And so, Bishop, I just want you to share tonight whatever is on your heart. Talk about eternity, what God has given you this revelation. For many of them watching, it's new. They haven't heard anything you've taught on eternity. And so just feel the liberty, Bishop, to take it in any direction you want to go tonight. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Isaiah, in this regard. Uh, I'm going to make a bold statement right now in some circles. Uh, particularly theological circles, they would probably disagree with me. But I would say that every person listening right now have to know they are sovereign. Now, we usually think of God as sovereign. But I want to tell you that you are the intention of God in that regard, meaning that God meant to bring you into the world. And so, therefore, there's something that he wants to get out of your life that relates to who he is. So when some people are seeking, well, what's the will of God for my life? That's exactly what you want to happen in your life because God is obliged to empower you to do what he created you for. And so sometimes when a person chooses their own future, you know, whether it is, it could be exceptional. You could be governor of a, of a state or you could be an attorney or a medical doctor or you're an ambassador for a company, meaning you're the secretary there, and that the perspective that people get for that company is when they, 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 you greet them as a receptionist. 
but you're amazing. Why? Because you are sovereignly brought into this world by God. Now, what you want is not to die until one, you identify what God made you for, and two, fulfill that. Now, your life is so amazing that Jesus had to come one and die for you because of Adam's transgression, which I want you to, to see that. But secondly, not only did he do you have his will in your heart, you're not going to die out of your dedication until it's done. The, the, this, the most important thing to understand, too, is that you're going to live forever. Isaiah already said that. The only issue is where. This is why I want to talk to you about eternity. This whole life is a temporary life in the way that you and I know it right now. And so you have a physical body. You know from the time you were brought into the world, you're dying because there's a limitation put on lifespan, meaning the span of your life is only going to be maybe three score and 10. Let's say you pray to God and you live to be 100. I was in a meeting just a couple of weeks ago with two ladies who were both were 100 years old. The issue wasn't how old they are, because the issue was whether they have fulfilled what God made them for. Because destiny is more of the issue with God than chronology, meaning how long you live, that's not the issue. If it only takes you 25 years to do the will of God, then why not be done? So that's the first thing to understand. Destiny is the priority of God, not longevity. And some people, they just use those Old Testament scriptures with long life will I satisfy you and show you my salvation. Well, still, that's long life on the earth, but you're going to have long life anyway, meaning that you're going to have eternity. And then the other thing is formation, meaning Romans 8, 29 says, whom he did foreknow, then he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. So I pray to God right now. I say, God, help me to give in to you in such a way that I am the image of your son. That's scripture. You can pray that. Whom he did, that's Romans 8, 29. Whom he did foreknow, then he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. And it goes on and says that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. You're ordained to be like Jesus. And Jesus completely fulfilled the will of his father. And then to make sure your awesomeness is manifested, he sent the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit isn't trying to get you a new house. You can have a new house. You can get a new car. You can get, you know, an important position in the company. But no, he's sent here to help you do that, which in the natural, no level. You, look, one of my godsons right now is in Yale, Yale Law School. He's a good Son, Yale could never teach him what God wants him to know. And he is made to hear God's voice and to become something that that school can't train him to be. Because whatever that is, it's that in the natural. The Holy Spirit takes that. Jesus says he'll take of mine and reveal it to you, meaning the Holy Spirit will take that which comes from the eternal dimension and show you how to function in this dimension. And you're being trained to live forever. So I don't, I don't want to be difficult with you and complicated with you. But I do know that Jesus says, in the world, you will have tribulation. That means there's stuff going on here. Look at the last couple of years. Would you look at it? 
And when you look at that stuff, the church was not the voice for the culture or the generation. They let the news media and medical doctors and scientists all tell them what was wrong with the world on a generational level. To this day, they can't even tell you what the world's been challenged with, where it came from. And no, so, so to go into conspiracy thinking to say, well, they're hiding it from us. This is germ warfare. We, we really don't know what that is. But let me tell you something. In the economy of God, that conversation isn't even worth talking about. Why? Because what God made you for and what he has as a priority in your life is where your priorities is to be. And so even though there's stuff you say, well, womb, well, well, man, I could get it. I could get it and die. I know a lot of people that got it and died. And I said in the meeting, the awesome meeting that Isaiah had right here, he, he several were with him, but he was sharing this with some, I mean, he partnered with some people just to come here because they asked him to be a part of this. And his standard still was of word was still amazing in person. You know, he doesn't go to many meetings. I'm just telling you like that because he wants to reach you with such a passion right here. And to him, there's real people out there. He's not a personality. He has, he understands the person of Christ and he wants that to shine through. Now, and I want to underscore that. When you hear what's coming out of his mouth, you know it isn't something that he just studied up. It's something where God is using him to be a voice, not an echo. It's not just, yes, does he study to show himself approved? Yes. He's not talking about other people's books. Jeremiah really talks against that. It says you are reading some, some books that someone else got and understood and then taking that and claiming that as your own. That's not what he does. And from the very beginning, God was showing him things in the Bible that he had never really read. And because being born from above, God was able to access his inner being and allow him to pour out truth. And that's really what it is. So, and the truth identified with scores of you on the line right now to say, man, I don't just like this, man. I believe this. You know why? Because God is using him to speak. God is using, it's God talking. He made the body. He says the body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. So he's a yielded vessel. I want you to get that. So numbers of you who are getting a hold of what he's saying, it's God actually talking to you. Every person is to cultivate personal reality. Sure, in prayer, in time alone, in, in study, sure. But God uses people to also confirm and then sometimes to activate something that's already inside of you, but is not alive. So scores of you have come alive with God. And so while he says, uh, we want revival, and I will tell you, this is revival, because what's the root word? Life, revivify. D David, Lord, will thou not revive us again, Psalms 85? So what's happening is number of you, numbers of you, you, you've seen God in some way. And yet the culture, like what's happening to this, these talking points of the media, telling you you're going to die, you're going to get COVID. I hate to even date it by discussing it. But, and then you, you got to put on the mask. You got to stay six feet. You got to take the shots. Hey, I just listened today. Look, look at the sports. They'll tell you that 
the National Hockey Association for America was 99% had had taken the vaccine. As of today, this is the date of the day. Look at the calendar. You can see what it is. 73% of those people who have taken the vaccine now in the National Hockey League, professional league, has COVID. So eventually they told us you got you can't get it. Then they say, well, you, the symptoms are not as bad. And then they found out people were having bad symptoms. Then they said, well, you need a booster. On and on. I'm telling you, the word of God still stays the same. In the world, you shall have tribulation. But what? Be of good cheer. God, the, the COVID didn't cancel out. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as some as some has. You can't. You can't. By a dis- disease, listen to the word or even the testimony of people who die and say, God, oh, I know you said come to church, forsake not the assembly of yourself together. But mm-mm. I've had a man tell me, this is just recent, for a solid year, he didn't let his own children come to his house. He was like 80. He said, I don't, I don't want to die. Well, God promised you three score 10. You already had that. Those are your biological children, man. If you if you anything, make them take the test and then let them come COVID free in that way. But those are your children. There may be something left that you need to sow to them to assure them that they'll fulfill the divine will of God when you're going home to be with the Lord. I mean, what is it? But let me just make this statement and then I'm going to go on because I haven't even really started. That. But you understand this, that if you go to church, which he says, forsake not the assemblies of yourselves together. He says also, if two of us of you shall agree as touching anything you shall ask. So, okay, this is not like just agreeing from long distance, even though you can do that because the spirit of God, there's no distance in the reality of the eternal. The I am actually operates in you and me at the same time. Just let me underscore that for a minute. In Hebrews 4, it says, let us go before the throne of grace boldly. So now from your knees, you are, say, in your prayer closet, in your home, in a church, you are ascending the heavenlies. So you're in two places at the same time. You're physically, literally in your home or in the church, but yet by the spirit, you're up there getting the ear of God into the realm where God is. You already have the ability to be several places at the same time. And I want to just say that that's the operation potential anyway of you in being, watch this, being imitators of God as dear children. Either God is saying that and he's joking about it. Paul just wrote it and say, okay, how can I imitate God? Well, he didn't answer that question in that text, but he said, do it. Agree with it. And agreeing with it, then God empowers you to actualize what you agree to. But he's trying to make, he's not going to try to make you deal with something you disagree with. Goodness. The potential for us, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither has it even entered into the hearts of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. Meaning he's he's already ready to activate a level of eternity that you've never read about, you've never seen, or never heard about. He's ready right now to activate it in your life if you'll go all the way in there with God. You are, do you know the reason why you are individual, like have the same, 
you, you don't nobody has your your retina pattern or your breath pattern or your finger pattern or your tooth pattern you know why because you are wonderfully and individually made by God there is a work God has for you that nobody else can do you are amazing as an individual why because of where you came from okay so come on that individuality was there when God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Do you get this? So this is Genesis. I'm unloading on you right now, aren't I, people? Okay. And I, I just, I just, I just, I want you to have it. And, uh, and uh, because I know Isaiah is going to take this to the ends of the world and raise up a generation of people who are going to go for it. You know, I did just recently, just a few months ago, I talked to a group in a, in a, well, in Florida, it was said to be the number two private um, high school. Really, it's uh, one through K through 12 in Florida. And they were having some problems over the issue of race. So they asked me to come. So I ended up talking to the student body also, talked to the administrative staff. I talked to all of the uh, teachers, the faculty, and then I talked to also the student body. And afterward, the principal came to me and said it was the greatest uh, assembly he has ever heard since that school has been, since he had been at the school. Well, the reason being is that I didn't talk from my perspective. I talked from the perspective of the creator. So I want you to keep this in mind now for the rest of my talk with you uh, this evening. Living life with eternity in view, meaning you're headed somewhere. But isn't that true when you start elementary school? Aren't you headed to the next grade and through completing high school and then to college and then to maybe even grad school and then to your profession? And don't you then set your priorities presently by where you're going to go through, go to eventually? Right. So that's where you're going somewhere. You're not just living in a vacuum. You're going somewhere. But don't you know that's also true spiritually? So when I talk to those young people, you know, what I'm saying they I could deal with race because I talk from the perspective of the creator of the races. See? And each of those race races were valuable because what the creator made them. Each of them have purpose. They weren't the same purpose for each one of those people, but listen, they had the same value. So for somebody to say, well, critical race theory, you know, the 1619 project and all that, that's that stuff is limitation talk. That's a human construct. It's not from the perspective of God. So what I want you to understand that that if you if you argue from God to the issue, from how God sees it to what's going on, your view is always going to be at a higher level than everybody that's at ground level. Now, in, in Ephesians 2, it says we're seated with him. One and two, read both of those chapters. We're seated with him in heavenly places. I mean, look, that's the perspective. That's God's viewpoint, the point of view. Wouldn't you call that an opinion or perspective? Listen, let me say it another way. The point from which you view. See? So when you get above something, 
you can see more of what's on the ground from above it, right? Well, from God's perspective, he can see the big picture. And you and I are supposed to be looking at the big picture from God's viewpoint. Because why? We're seated with him there in that perspective. So if I look at things like, say, for my race, so, okay, my pigmentation is chocolate, okay? So I'm whatever. So if I view things for my race, then I'm, I'm only at the same perspective as the races. I can't see how it fits because I only can see on a horizontal level. But if I allow myself to be beyond race to the creator of race, now I can see that God individually is using all of these races to do something, and guess what, different. That's why we're geographically located in different places. We, are, we have different families that we've come from. We have different institutions that we've learned from. But, but from those perspectives, there's always limitation. But from God's perspective, it's where you get the fulfillment because God is limited in how he sees things. Now, let's go to Genesis for a minute, please. In Genesis 1, when he says, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So you're from other nations. Many of you are. I should turn to scripture. I got like, I'm looking right now. I got like three Bibles on the desk. Um, and I have an eternity journal I want to give to you. That was, I have not offered this, Isaiah. Jason's going to probably hate me for doing this. But I was sitting, that's my son. He's kind of helping me get started on this. But I love you because you give away everything. I heard you already giving away everything. Well, I'm going to give an e-version of this away for those who can see what I'm saying. I know I'm talking fast. For some, yeah, I'm just introducing this. But, but I want to say I have something here, which I called, I don't know how it's going to show up here, but I'm going to hold it up, an eternity journal. See that? Now, my editor is going to be on with you at the same time. So I want for every one of the supporters of Isaiah's ministry, I want you to have an e-version of this. Because what this will do, it will seed into you how to have, listen to me now, an eternal worldview, like what I was saying. And I, I didn't make it a read-through. I gave you vignettes. So you don't have to read long, but you can study long. You understand? In other words, I didn't try to exhaust any topics, but for example, right? Um, like I, I, one of the points I make in this journal, for example, is a son to carry on his name. Like you notice the, the male carries on the name of the family, uh, the husband and the father, right? So the wife. So I says, so why not a daughter? Why, does, why don't the daughters carry the name. So I answer that in the creative order. You see that? So God in, in the, the sovereign, he makes them the man first. In reality, he made a male first. But watch. And then, so we can say then he makes a man and then he makes a woman. And the same God said, let us make man also said it wasn't good that man should be alone, but I'm going to make a help suitable for him. So watch. So God makes both of them. He's the one that decided in eternity to bring man in the earth. Then he decides to bring a woman as a helpmate to the man. So watch. They both, he makes the man out of dirt 
I'm talking about visibly, he makes the woman out of man. God formed the man, but God also formed and shaped the woman. So listen, that's the process of salvation. First, he speaks you into existence. First, there's revelation. Second, there's formation. You may be saved from hell, but you're out of shape, meaning you're not fully formed yet. And that's what I want to talk with you about in this matter of eternity. Look, both of them have the same value, the, the man and the woman, but look, but different responsibilities. She's not less than a man because she's a helpmate. She actually is there to validate. See, women weren't made to be on the need side. They were made to, she was made as a solution person. God says it's not good that man should be alone. Listen to how many women and many parents tell the women, their daughters, you just got to have a man. You just got to have a husband. Well, that's not the creative order. It was not a woman that had to have a man. She wasn't made first. He was made first. Guess what? I, it was a man that just had to have a woman. It was God who said it's not good that man should be alone. So the trick of the devil is to make the woman think that she lacks something without a man. And God said, wait a minute, you have everything you need to be what I've made you to be. So all this psycho babble stuff, the gender babble talk about I'm as valuable as a man. And it's the same thing with the race, black community. It says, you know, you know, race critical, you know, black lives matter. Well, of course, didn't God make the people who have whose skin color happens to be black or the, the race that happens to be light or hue or whatever? So that's your value. No man can give you value. The only one that can give you value is the creator of value. So I don't need to convince anybody of my value. I just need to affirm my value to the one that made me. Come on. So this is just the basics right here that I'm just, I want you to have this. So therefore, I want to tell you, I do. Like Isaiah, he's not black. Well, the church that I'm at right down here, this all Latino, that I'm, they asked me to come and teach them for a solid year. They're Latinos. I'm looking around, there's no black people in there. <laughs> Every now and then they may come and visit. Why? Because my message is not cultural. Wow. It's already to be culturally, it's all right to be culturally conscious, but not to be culturally controlled. Mm. I don't get my real view from my race. I get my worldview from the creator of race. You see that? So look, so there you are. So then he says, please look at 128 with me, Genesis 128. And then God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful, multiply. Look, he says in the, in the living version, it says, govern the earth. Rain over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. So God, but I, I like the King James version better in this, better in this, uh, in this verse. I'm going to read it out of my King. I told you I had uh, like several Bibles right here, but you know the techno people have it already laid out. But it says in 128, "Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it." Four mandates. See, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it. God said unto whom? Them. Here you go. The woman 
has the same capability as the man, but different responsibility. Did you get that? Here it is. Why? Because even when God makes her, he makes her out of the man. So the Bible says this in the New Testament, when a man loves his wife, he loves what? Himself. Why? Because that's where she came from. Goodness gracious. So you got to see this woman. So nobody's authorized to put you down. They can call you like dumb, ignorant, weaker vessel. The scriptures call you that, but he doesn't mean weak in the spirit. He's talking about the physical part of you. And so you don't want to be manly. You don't want to be, you don't want a husband that you can beat up. <laughs> One of the challenges of Adam there in the garden is he wasn't a covering for his wife. When God gave him the mandate, Hey, look, and told Adam, look, to rule over the entire earth, you don't see the woman made until chapter two. Look, here it is. I'm reading in chapter two and verse 18. Look what it says. And the Lord God said, it's not good that man should be alone, but I will make him a help meet for him. And then, so in reality, he had already been given his assignment. So Adam, God gives Adam his assignment. Adam gives his wife the assignment. So let me say it like this. Adam got a God said. His wife got an Adam said. That's why every woman should not marry a man if she doesn't know, if he doesn't know why he's living. Because the great best thing she could ever marry into is the will of God. He needs to already be demonstrating that he knows what God wants out of his life and that marrying her will consummate it, that he can be an example first to the woman who's going to be in there with him privately, see things, see how he prays, see how he makes decisions, see how he handles money. See, all of that is important because she becomes the first fruit of his commitment to God on a private level. And this is what I want to say. If a man can't win his wife to God, how can he win a world? You mean I can't make one woman happy? Adam was put over the whole earth. I can't make the one woman happy who God made her for me and from me? That's nonsense. So that's why it's important that you set a standard for her and that you become uh, a demonstration. That's why it says, husbands, love your wives. You demonstrate the love of God. She wants to know how God, what God is like. She just looks over at her husband. Because why? The love that she gets from him is amazing. Now, I've had people say to me, man, I wish my wife treated me like your wife treats you, man. Wow, she seems to be so in love with you. She seems, man, she seems to support you in ministry. She seems to honor you and all that. And I'm looking, I'm listening to them because I know where they're going with that. They think that she was already like that when I married her. They don't think I did anything at all in my godliness to help. Her daddy wasn't saved. She wasn't raised in a godly home. No, when God saved me and I saw the standard in the Bible and I realized what I'm telling you right now, I said, mm -mm, I'm giving, I'm, no, I'm going to make this woman happy. Because you know what happened, though, as I was called into the ministry, when I'm talking about some of this stuff, like I'm talking to you, people look over at my wife. 
in these churches. I mean, in stadium events that I've done some of those things and promise keepers. I've done stuff with the national Baptist people, Southern Baptists. I mean, done a lot of these meetings. But when I'm talking about marriage and family, you know what they're looking at? My wife. Because they're trying to say, is, was she, is she validating you? See? And that's wow. what they want. And then some of them have been bold enough to go, say, what is Wellington really like in person? <laughs> Come on. They, they go there. And she says, and then one time, Coach McCartney was talking about, he asked his wife from one to 10, how would she rate him? And, and I said, whoa. And then I said, I'm going to ask my wife that. So I asked my wife that. She said, 11. Come on, come on. That's what she said. I didn't say, I said, look, you got to stand before God on this, babe. He says, she says, you're 11. I never would have expected anybody to treat me the way you treat me. Mm. And you know, my son is right here right now. He's in this, uh, this apartment with me where I am here in Miami. So he could validate all of this. And, and then I asked both my children, this, this is important for me. So good. I said to my daughter, do you want your husband to treat you like your daddy treats your mama? I wanted to see what she was seeing in our relationship. I asked my son, do you want to get married based on what you see in your mom and daddy relationship? Now, so it went from my wife validating me to, to what my children were seeing when they looked at my uh, their parents. Because whether they tell you or not, they have opinions. Wow. You can't hide it if you guys aren't getting along. You can't hide it, sir, if you're not loving your wife like Christ loved the church. And here wow. it is. These guys think, well, man, I want my wife to honor me. But wait a minute, dude. I know where every major mall is in any city I take my wife to. Wow. I know on. the shape of Victoria's Secret. Look, I know where Victoria's Secret is. I, I look at the shape of her lingerie to wow. see if any of it's old and if the fringe is coming loose or if the house shoes, the back the bottom, she's on the back of them or something. Or if her nails have new growth and she needs to get her nails done. I, I know where, see, you, do you understand what I'm saying here people? Wow. Why? Because I'm to love her like Christ loved the church. And he's, the Bible he says he's ravished for her. So I knew this was a kingdom issue. Now, please, I got just a few more minutes. I want to take this Keep to going, another Bishop. place. Keep in going, Don't stop. So good. See, so how a man runs his house is how he'd run a world. Wow. Wow. Okay. Drop the you mic. Drop the mic right there. You see what I'm saying right here? Because why? God put it on Adam's responsibility to populate the whole earth. So whatever his family was, was what was gonna be taken out to the culture. So his children, so look, so let me just, just tell you for a minute his fault, right away, right in the garden. He lets a serpent come in there and talk to his woman. He had named the serpent, but it was, the serpent was embodied by, we now know it to be the devil. Mm. He allowed it to happen, but look, he had authority in that garden because God put him there. He had authority over the whole earth, but he was tried right there in the garden. So instead of telling his the devil, stop talking to my wife, because the Bible says, and Adam was not deceived. The devil is a deceiver, but it says in 1 Timothy 2, 1, look at it, 12. Go, go look it up somewhere. Or 2 Timothy 1, 12. It's there, or 2, 12. It's in there. He says, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman 
being deceived in the transgression. What does that mean? That means he was responsible for what was going to happen to the whole earth. How do you know that? Because the woman, while she listened to the devil and disobeyed what her husband had told her, at, nothing happened in heaven. God didn't come down. He didn't, he didn't, here, here it was. First Timothy 2, um, uh, 13. For Adam was first formed, then Eve, look. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. What transgressions? In Adam's transgression. So in other words, you couldn't deceive Adam because he was made in the image and likeness of God with no sin in his life. So he had authority over the whole earth. And the only thing he was restricted to do was the one thing the devil convinced his wife to do. And then she convinced her husband. Now, now again, I want to say this. I got to move on. But just think about the power in, a, in, in that woman to convince a man made in the image of God to go against the God said. The devil was no match for him. And that's why he's held accountable for what he did. The devil didn't talk to Adam directly. He talked to the God said in his woman, but he was there. See, three levels of sin, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. That was right there. Adam had to whip him in the garden. He had the ability to do it because he had authority over the whole earth. So now, so he says, if you eat off this tree, you're going to die. So Adam ate off the tree died spiritually people he didn't die right away physically he eventually did die physically that's the only reason death came into the world because adam watch sinned and what he was is what was passed down to the generation look in his sin he didn't conceive she didn't conceive children until after the transgression so instead of making children that were totally in the image of god if he would have had the union of the marriage bed and produced children out of that, then guess what? The whole world would have been righteous because every seed reproduces after its kind. So let me go with you on this. Adam sinned. He died. Guess what happened? His son becomes a murderer. Do you understand? Death large. The tendencies of the father become the traits of the children. Let me take you all the way then. I'm, I got it. I got it. I got it right in my hand. I got it. I, get, I have it marked in my Bible. And that is Acts 17, 26. I, I got it marked. And I, I, I want you to see this because look what it says. And hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth. And hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. Listen. One blood? Exactly. Guess what? All of us are relatives because we all came from the same blood. Where? Adam. The nonsense of, the, of our generation is the sin of Adam in the garden. The earth became what Adam was. Because God had already decreed that you're going to reproduce after your kind. Be fruitful, multiply. We're Adam's fruit. Jesus didn't have to come as the last Adam, redeem his failure, and now watch. Listen to me now. This is close. 
natural Adam populated the earth. I just read to you right here. See that? I read to you Genesis 1, 28. And now I read to you Acts 17, 26. So guess what? Repopulation is still going on. In other words, what God said to Adam, be fruitful, that's still going on. We're still Adam's children. But Jesus comes as the last Adam, died, satisfied the just uh, requirements of God, and in the courts of eternal jurisprudence, woo, sounds like a big word, doesn't it? But in the courts of God, Jesus then pays the price, which was death. The, sin, the soul that sins shall surely die. So Jesus then died, but he was an innocent man. And out of it, he took on himself guilt of Adam. The death couldn't hold him because why? There was no death in him inherently. So he was raised from the dead, quickened by the spirit. And now he's already told Nicodemus, come on, right quick with me. And, and um, I had it marked right here. And John, please just go with me for a minute. Hold on, people. I just want you to, you to get this with me because he had this discussion with Nicodemus, which is germane to our understanding. Read it in... Uh, John 3, and those first few verses, because I'm getting ready to make a major statement right here. There was a man, verse 1, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. I want to just say this to you, that, mir that miracles are not an end in themselves. But what he said is actually the essence of what miracles are for. God isn't just trying to show you you can work miracles. God, what Nicodemus realized is where Jesus was from by what he was demonstrating. And it opened Nicodemus' heart up to say, this man is from God. That's what miracles are about even now. So that what the person says, you know, is the construct, it's the talking point that God wants to get across because it activates a newer reality when the miracle occurs. God, that's why God wants them to happen now. So people are generationally so far from God that when you pray for them and God impacts them instantaneously and does something that humans can't do, that says, this God must be from God. Therefore, they're more what? Open to hear the word because heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word. See, he wants to get something to us. That we, before the miracle, you weren't open enough. See, it's not just heal you. That's not what he's after. Because you're eventually going to die of something anyway. You're going to die. The natural body, it's not even suitable for what you become inside. But look what he says now, please. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, look, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, this is hugely important. Born again, what are you talking about, Jesus? He's talking about another kind of birth. With, with Adam, they were in the union of the marriage bed, they were conception, and people were born physically. So that's how repopulation occurred. Now Jesus is talking about another kind, watch, of repopulation. Get it? He's talking about repopulation here. One, Adam populated the natural earth. Now Christ is talking about, watch this, populating the heavenlies or the spiritual realm. Okay, you got to get this with me, people now. So Nicodemus says to him, look, 
How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? See, he's thinking totally in the natural realm. Jesus then said, brother, brother, I send you. Nicodemus barely, barely, emphatically, emphatically, man, don't you get this? No, he didn't get it. Except the man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. So number one, first of all, he talks about in the first statement he makes to Nicodemus, you got in order to see into the kingdom, the rebirth opens your eyes, the awareness, the eyes of your understanding. He's not talking about physical eyes, people. And then in this case, entering the kingdom of heaven, he's talking about how things operate in the realm where God is. Now, people immediately go to structure, the kingdom, how it works, who's in. No, he's talking about you are born of the nature of the eternal God who created the world. And he's trying to make you see this by the spirit. And he explains it more. He said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. And meaning that that's what it is. You see that? And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Now, here's the great trick of the devil. You're born of the spirit, but he keeps you in the realm of the flesh. You get in financial difficulties, you go to the bank. You get, a, you, you know, you get money if you have problems with finance. You, you have physical difficulties, you go to the doctor. You, 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 know, you have marital problems, you go to a marital problem. In other words, instead of going to the potential or the reality of the eternal, you turn to the flesh. So you, you're not going, you can be born in the spirit and you can be royalty by birthright, but live underneath the level of your birthright. Saved from hell, but you still act human. You're not human. You're, you have a human body, but you're an eternal being. So what you got to learn is, what are the things that I need to know when time is no more? When this earthly body is gone, what is kept alive? Because to be absent from the body, what? Is to be present with the Lord. Give me two more minutes. I'm just going to. Yeah. Okay, so say. No time limit, Bishop. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I know. I know. You're so good. So, so the chat good. is going crazy. They're loving it. I'm like, I'm getting okay. saved right now. Okay, you, you're, you're so good to me. In that, in that return, in that regard, see. So, so here you are, you're an eternal being. The devil says, if he couldn't keep you from being saved, he wants to keep you fleshly. So what you gotta have is eternity training. In other words, if you're always dealing with financial difficulties and you always, you got rebellious children, if you got sickness in your body, and <clears throat> if, you, if you have issues that you're dealing with race, so that stuff doesn't give you the focus and the training you need to be able to function as an eternal being because you're gonna live forever. Now, let me just say something about this body. This body is not meant to live forever. I can say it another way, which is very challenging for me to say it to you like this, but it's not worthy of you. In other words, this natural body, you're not gonna take this body with you. The only thing that gives out as far as you're concerned, is your physical body. But the spiritual you, it's gonna live forever. Now we're talking about where? And this is what, see again, where do you go? You're saying go to heaven. Now I know people, if I ask them, you wanna to go to heaven, they say, yes, raise your hands. So they always didn't wanna to go to heaven. But what are you gonna do when you get there? Well, what language do you speak there? How do you travel? See, 
Where, how close are you going to be to Jesus? You think not, you know, remember the sons of Zebedee asked, the, the mother really instigated this, who's going to sit on your right hand and left? But I do like this point. She was thinking about the next world. And she believed him enough to say, somebody's going to be real close <laughs> and going to be on his left hand and right hand. How about my boys? And Jesus said, it's not mine to give. But he didn't say that's not going to be possible. And I would look, Luke 22, go ahead and read that. And then I have another passage where he's talking about the next world that talks about uh, the next world responsibilities. And I'd love to, maybe the next time I get on, I can go into that with you. But watch this, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For we know, verse 1, when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is, when we die and leave this earthly body, we'll have a house in heaven. Look, an eternal body not made for us by God himself and not by human hands. I'm getting excited right here, people. Okay, look. So the first body of Adam was made by who? The hands of God. So then the body of the woman was made by who? The hands of God. So here, Paul is telling us the next body, our eternal body, is going to be made by God too. The difference is that body is never going to die. It's never going to diminish. It can operate on the in the ability of the eternal dimension. Now that's something you need. So how capable in terms of functionality will this body be? Let me just say to say this to you: this body that you have right now is actually the limitation that you have. Wow. Why? Because let me just say this. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Let's give you the boon. Let me give you the boon's translation. To be absent from the body, meaning when you die, watch, is to fly. Mm. Do you understand what I just said there? In other words, when this body wears out, boom, you are immediately by the spirit. One, you have this spiritual body that God is making for you right now. Here's the point your body is going to be exactly suitable to your growth level spiritually. Wow. Did you hear it? In other words, right now, a guy could be physically in shape, lift weights and all, and he could, he could have diabetes. Or he can be physically in shape and have a replacement knee. In other words, there could be still something about him that's not optimal in the function, but yet he looks like he's in perfect shape. Well, this is what I believe about the church. They're saved from hell, but as I said earlier, they're, they're out of shape. But this next body, the body that Jesus is going to make for you, is going to match who you are. So that you're, you're naturally spiritual according to your growth level. You hear that? So you're supposed to grow up into what? Him in all things. But what if you don't grow? You're still going to have eternal life. That's 1 Corinthians 3. All your works may not have the may not stand the test of fire. You're going to have eternal life. You're going to have a new body, but you're not going to have the same responsibilities because you're not going to have the responsibilities of having a throne, having a crown, uh, having a kingdom, and you've acted like a pauper spiritually your whole Christian life. God is not going to, you're quickened to be born again. Look, and Jesus paid the price for you being born again. But for listen to me, people, for everything else, you pay the price. So let me say it this way. 
Salvation is given, rewards are earned. Did you hear me? You gotta get this. In other words, revival can be sovereign, but it won't happen that way. Revival and this last day revival, this next revival that you and I think about, it won't be like the past. There was no healing, no deliverance, no revivals. None of them have ever been the same. But Romans 12, 1 and 2, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. The next revival is a transformational revival. It's what you are made into on a permanent level. That's what's going to cause so many people around the world to run to Christ because they're going to see so many people imaging Christ with amazement. That's why you fast. That's why you consecrate yourself to God. That's why you give to others. That's why you love unconditionally. Because you are walking in the nature of the Father prior to dying. So that you merge right into that life. And when you see that world, everything that's physically there, which is what we emphasize, all of that, like we think the right hand of God, the Father, the throne and all that. Man, what are you talking about? You got to understand what God is talking about. When he says Jesus is on the right hand of God, you think it's, he's talking about a physical throne like you and I talk about? He's talking about the most trusted position. It's proximity. Nobody's closer to the Father than the Son, but he's the Son of Man. Now he's conceived of a woman, of the Holy Ghost, born of a woman. Now he's our representative. There's a God-man in the heavens that's from us, that has a physical body close to him. That's what he's talking about. The authority, all authority has been given to me, both in heaven and in earth. He's saying that Jesus paid the price. Martyrdom. See, he died. He knew that killing his body is like Clint Eastwood saying, make my day. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop. I'm going to wind this up right now. Let me just show you just a couple things. And it's, one, it's about something that maybe you wouldn't think of naturally. It's in Matthew 22, and it's the discussion about the resurrection. Let me recapitulate something. I'll leave you in a big word on you. Just messing. Please bear with me for a minute. So I'm saying to you, just as man is populating the earth, so God created man by his hands, physically. He spoke him into existence by his words, because no word from God is what? Void of power. You see that? So when God said, let us make man, it was a done deal. Just the breath of God, that is, he exhaled and man by the formed according to the shape of what those words wanted was formed by the breath of God. It's just amazing. Then he, he formed man, brought him into shape, okay, by his hands. But then when he said be fruitful and multiply, that was a union of the marriage bed. That's the man and the woman. So conception occurred by his handiwork. Wow. You get that? Now, here's what I want to ask. How is, is the end of the earth the culmination of population? When, when everything is over, is there going to be population at all anymore? See? Mm. Well, let me just clarify that for you. God... And, and let me just go one even further out. 
the there's a new there's a new discovery now because of this latest spaceship that was sent up by American scientists that shows the heavenlies is way larger than what man thought. And there are way more galaxies and stars and all that is like this an uncountable number. It's always been an uncountable number, but it's more even even more uncountable. Well, who is going to inhabit that? So let me ask you this practical question. Will God put you over a planet? Could Will you populate a planet? Now, what is the earth? A planet. What's my answer to that? He's already done that. What do you mean? Adam was over this planet. So when I, I got a series, which I'd like to give you that too, called Every Family is a World, meaning that what comes out of your family, meaning husband, wife, children, is what's running the earth somewhere. It may not be running all of it, but it's running part of it. So God is using what comes out of a household to take responsibility in the creation itself in his place. Do you hear me, people? So now watch. So if I ask you, are you going to be on a planet? He's already done that. So the answer is, that's what he intends to do. Okay, so watch this. The first Adam populated the earth. Look at the responsibility he gave him. Christ, the last Adam, right? Every born-again person is a spirit being. He's a 1 Corinthians 6, 17. He that's joined in the Lord is one spirit with him. So you're a spiritual being. So what do you think spiritual beings are going to do? Occupy the heavenlies. The first Adam is populating the earth. Christ, the last Adam, through people getting born again, is populating the heavenlies. Now, here's a critical question. Does repopulation end when the earth is consumed by the fire of God's presence? The answer is no. Why? Because it says in Ephesians, you are sealed by the Holy Ghost of promise, which means what? Every person's life that goes into the heavenlies will never lose what God has given them. And their potential will be a forever potential. Therefore, you can be trusted on the level of your birthright and your responsibility. Now, therefore, now this passage that I was going to read to you, I gotta, I gotta read, read it from verse 23 all the way to verse 37. I can't read that to you, but you can read it. I'm gonna pull out a couple of things out of here that's huge. And the discussion was about these, these brothers, these seven brothers, and the eldest one in verse 25 married and then died without the children. So his brother married the widow. But the second brother also died, and the third brother married her. And this continued, he says, with all seven of them. Last of all, the woman also died. So tell us, whose wife shall she be in the resurrection? For all seven were married. Look at this answer. It's an eternal answer. That's why you got to get this. And from this day, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for you. I got to pray for you for a second. Because I need God to open up your understanding with this. I, I am not trying to do like deep teaching, deep teaching. God will just, God will confuse me if I do something like that. I'm only trying to tell you what I believe you should know already. So good. 
I'm only telling you what this actually is saying. See, because if you have a human construct, there's going to be a limitation on interpretation of something that's been here now for, for 2,000 years. Jesus said this. Look, he says, Jesus replied in verse 29. I'm reading. If you just come on with me, it doesn't matter how young you are. Come on. It's like when I did that, that uh, assembly. I mean, I was crowded by young kids in the sixth grade and seventh grade. Because, look, they're dealing with this stuff, this extraterrestrial stuff all the time with, with these uh, games and all of that. But I'm saying this is not a game. You really have the potential of operating in the powers of the world to come if you'll get born again and then devote yourself to God. Jesus said, the work that I do shall you do also, and greater. So the devil is counterfeiting this greater potential of mankind when God says, I can't even let you do it yet because you're unbroken and underdeveloped. Mm. So I can't let you do it yet. So you get little glimpses of it, the power. It's not what can happen to a person whose life is fully given over to God. One man said that. So look, verse 29. He says, your mistake is, look at this. You don't know the scriptures. That's why I'm talking to you out of the Bible. What I talked to you about this evening has been not like nonsense from something. I had a vision, a dream God showed me. God does that. I have vision. That's not what this is. I'm teaching right out of the scriptures. And it says, and you don't know the power of God. And this is interesting. This is, both of them are relevant, both the dunamis and the exosia, meaning the authority of God. For when the dead rise, they will neither marry nor be giving in marriage. Look at this. In this respect, they will be like the angels in heaven. What? You mean there's no marriage in the next world of giving in marriage? So how is there going to be repopulation then? If you're not going to have a husband and a wife. So let me make this bold statement, but this is what this just said. Marriage is not an eternal construct. Mm. Okay? There you go. It's a human one. So what will be the ability of a man? How did God bring the earth into existence? See, did you get it? Wow. I'm doing a sea law right now. See, this thing about being imitators of God, look, look that up, as dear children. That's not children as in one born again. That's children as in one who is of full age. In other words, there is levels of potential that we are growing into. So look, so now I've made this statement before, but it's not just the issue of going to heaven. It's becoming heavenly. It's good. Are you hearing me? Or it's not just being holy, but it's being godly. That means your life is just like God's. And he's saying, don't wait to get to heaven for that. I've sent the Holy Ghost to help you with that now. So watch. So how did God make mankind? See that? He spoke him into existence. So the question is, will you have that ability? If, you, if you're going to be like God, you do. Now, it says this. If you read 1 Peter 1.23. Now, let's see how we interpreted that before in that passage. Here, I got it right now. Verse 23, 1 Peter 1.23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed by the word of God. Listen to this, which liveth and abideth forever. 
the word is sperma, being born of an incorruptible seed. I, most theologians I know, I have a Schofield reference Bible right here. That's what this is, Schofield. He doesn't actually believe in the potential of a man being incorruptible. Wow. Even though he's a theologian, he doesn't believe Matthew 5, 48, which says, be ye perfect, even as your heavenly father is perfect. He will interpret it. That means be ye mature. That's nonsense. Because God is a mature. God is perfect. And he defines what he wants you to become by the explanation of the fullness of the verse. Matthew 5, 48. Be ye perfect, what? Even as your what? Heavenly Father is perfect. Now, what's the potential of a perfect man? There's not going to be imperfect people in the heavens. You're born again. You're getting a new body. Is you going to have? Are you going to get sick in that body? Come on. Are you going to be stupid in that body? I mean, is there any ignorant people in the next world? Have you seen any ignorant angels, archangels, seraphims, cherubims? The only ignorant people you see is the devil and the fallen host. Come on. Your potential is unlimited. And what God is saying to you and me is access it now. I'm just telling you, it's only, now I've had some of this all my life, but not to the measure that I've just given it out to you right now. I got, I have worlds of this. Let me go back to this. For every person, now, Isaiah already said, you don't have to send him nothing. So but I'm going to say you can get an ebook. My assistant, my editor is listening to you, Isaiah. Uh, she will download this to your site so you can give it to everybody else. So okay. this is what I just finished talking about. You know what? I'm not into deep teaching, deep calling into deep. I'm into <laughs> being devout, not Come deep, on. devout, meaning giving myself fully over to God. Mm. That, that's all I want. And then what comes out of it? I want God to give it to me. I, I don't want to wow anybody. That's nonsense. I want you to be like God according to the potential. See? And, and these exceptional things that happen aren't really exceptional, like Philip being caught away, Ethiopian eunuch. I'd love to talk with you about a eunuch lifestyle. I just, like, like let me make this. This will, this will shock you. But it's for you. Un gays, they're eunuchs. They don't even know it. Mm. and they're eunuchs in other words they don't have a desire for the same sex it's the desire for God that they have they, the devil confused them they said you think that every man or woman has to want the opposite sex no some people are made by God to serve around king's tables they're exceptional in terms of potential and ability they, they get the mind of how things are going to work in the future and go that's what the gays are they they're operating in some of the potential of the creator, but they have they've been defiled by and tricked by the devil that their life is about sex, not sex with man, the same sex knucklehead. It's about sex with union with God. Sex is about union, closeness. Eunuchs are supposed to be close to God. And you see the, the, the great example of that under the bondage of Nebuchadnezzar. Look at Daniel and three Hebrew boys. They, by the way, came out of Judah, that tribe, actually. Wow. So I can say this. And then the three main characters of the New Testament, you can say they were eunuchs, but the better term for them is Nazarites. All, both of them relate to devout, devoteness towards God. John the Baptist, Nazarite. Jesus, Nazarite. Paul, Nazarite. And what, what are we talking about? Full devotion to God. And Peter recapitulated that and uh 
Matthew 18 or 19, 27. I love that we've given up everything to follow you. And I, I want you to do that right now. Listen, I want to say a prayer for you. And this, I'm not sermonizing. I want to pray for you that you don't say, well, this is deep. Stop it. Every word I said that's from God is made for you. And that what God is doing is a quick work where he's bringing, uh, as they're listening to this, the latter rain, right, the, and the former rain, the rain that happens in the spring and the rain that happens in the fall, he says, all in the first month. That is convergence of time. You don't have to be old to have wisdom. You don't have to be old to have an exceptional ministry. You don't have to be old to become a person that can influence a whole nation. See that? Why? Because this move of God, I want to say that this, this is an example right here. There are numbers of pastors and leaders. I mean, look, that would love to do what he's doing. They would be in the flesh. They couldn't handle it. They'd be in the flesh over it because they're underdeveloped. Mm. So God is allowing him to handle partners because why he want to train you. So that's what I want to do. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, thank I you, thank Lord, you so Lord. much for this man of God and for these people who have listened to me tonight and those that will listen to me in the future, those from all over the world. God, you know I want to raise up a generation of people that can be empowered to fulfill divine destiny where I would never take your glory or brag about what I still need to learn about. God, there's so much with you having all knowledge, having all power to know, to know, to learn, to appropriate. I'm praying for every person under the sound of my voice. Quicken them by your mighty power. As, as people who would be on this line, that they've come alive in the name of the Lord, that you would extend their lifetime for a newness and a freshness that the sickness would drop away because the life of God must now dominate them. In the season of time, bring them to the place where they would be full committed, where money has them loose. Know that you've given them power to uh, obtain wealth, to establish your kingdom. God, that, that where those who, who have a poverty mentality have said, I don't need a lot of money. Let them see, Lord, just because they have a lot of money, they don't have to spend it on yes. themselves. They can be used to be trusted by God to be a modern-day bank, to fulfill the, the purpose of God through you trusting them with the gold and silver which belong to you. Now, God, I cancel the assignment of the devil against every person. I pray, Jesus, that these new disciples from Isaiah and these people that Isaiah send actually to me for training, to send them out to the ends of the world, unafraid with the weapons of the eternal power of God. May it continue to be the thing that this young man continues to do. Thank you for him. Thank you for his humility his heart for you and for the things that you're doing through his life, where there's been no bragging about none of it. As I talked with him about behind the scenes, I love to see how you're moving. 
I love to see how you're using him. I continue to bless him and every person under the sound of my voice right now. Thank you for him. In Jesus' name, I pray. Isaiah, I want to thank you, man. I almost did an African prayer right there. You know how they do. They pray like the whole word. They gave you the message, and then they want to pray the whole word back. Come on, Bishop. So thank you. Thank you Thank so you, much. Bishop. Incredible. I, I know you haven't been reading the chat because you've been preaching, but literally we've had about 10,000 plus comments come through and people are getting rocked. They're being transformed. They're responding to the word. And guys, I'm telling you, we're all in awe of what God is speaking. But remember, God is speaking through Bishop Wellington Boone. Paul said and to the church of Thessalonica, I thank God that when I came to you, you took it as the very words of God. So Bishop, tonight we are taking the word as the very words of God and we are being transformed. And guys, let me say this because Bishop, they're harassing me right right now and they're saying when is he coming back on next time when is he we're gonna have him back on soon guys i promise thank you. Thank we're gonna you, have husband. him back on very very soon and he already knows anytime he wants to come on he can come on he's a, my spiritual father bishop we honor you we appreciate you i have his facebook page linked in the description guys please make sure that you're following his page and then i'm going to be posting the miss allen would just text me the prayer journal or the yeah. let me see eternity journal the journal the yeah. eternity journal so yeah. i'm going to be posting that for like one day guys so i'll post it tonight and then tomorrow and then i'm going to delete it thursday so make sure you guys are checking the facebook and then the youtube community page as well bishop is there any closing thoughts or anything you want to say to them before before I'm you done, get here? I'm done. I'm done. I just want to say I love you. I love what God is doing through you. I, I'm, I'm just saying. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. If you like what you heard, go to www.isaiahsaldivar.com for more content. And please follow me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Isaiah Saldivar. See you next week.